Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Casey. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Of the spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, I do not sound like a werewolf in transition. <laughs> Are you sure? But today is Jeff Smith, isn't it? It is Jeff Smith, creator of Bone and and uh, Casey Tickle Monster Allen got to sit down with uh, his good buddy Aaron Miller, and they got to sit and chat with uh, with Jeff Smith about Bone and. And Jeff's done more than just Bone, but uh, you know that's what everybody knows him for. Yeah, and uh, they had a they had a really good time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, Casey's buddy Aaron stopped by and and sat in with with Casey to give the interview, huh? They did, they did. And uh, uh, you know, if you if you remember back from us talking to Judd Winnick, Bone yeah. was one of the inspirations for him from his son for him to create Hilo. So that's right. It all circles around. It all it's the circle of life. It is. It is. All that you can see is our land. And more. <laughs> but not that shadowy place. <laughs> but that, <laughs> stay away. That just makes Simba want to go, doesn't it? I, I mean, that just makes you want to go there. I mean, any, any kid want to go there. Right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> instead of our weird Lion King antics that came out of nowhere, why don't we sit back and listen to Jeff Smith in his own words? Uh, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have my good buddy Aaron Miller. And Aaron Miller is helping me interview comics legend calling from his house on top of a pile of Eisner and Harvey Awards. <laughs> creator of Bone, creator of Razzle. I'm talking about legend Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How you doing, Casey? I'm I'm good, man. I hope that pile of Eisner and Harvey Awards is is a comfortable seat. You have earned it well. So let's get down to it, man. How how you been? I've been doing well. I've I've had an I've had a fairly calm pandemic. Vijay uh, <laughs> and I spent half the year in Key West usually, uh, so oh, it was wow. not the worst place to be. Uh, except Key West, without tourists or bars and restaurants, is very Walking Dead. It was very strange, mm. oh, uh, wow. and we ended up staying there even longer because you couldn't really even get back. Hard. It was it was uh, it was strange for me, just like everybody else. I got tired of eating the same shit after you know a week. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask if it if it enhanced or detracted from your trip, but I'm guessing it, it got kind of tiring after a while. Oh, it's a, oh, it's the same. It's a, 
Florida's not a nice place to be right now anyway. So like they're, well, they're sort of going crazy. Yes. Well, you know, Key West is actually like, it was like separate. It's uh, mm-hmm. 150 miles south of Miami, yeah. which was a super hot zone from day one. Uh, but our mayor cut off the cruise ships, said no more cruise ships, sent the tourists home like, like mid-March. And there's one road, one two-lane road that goes from Key West 150 miles up to Keys all the way to Miami. She put a roadblock at the top. <laughs> and, and we were we were like in a little bubble. We were all wearing masks and stuff and being careful. But after a month, we kind of figured out, oh, nobody down here has it. That was it was very nice. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because meanwhile, the crazy governor up uh, in <sighs> mainland yeah. was just like doing everything that he could. <laughs> Well, that's awesome that she's so pre- proactive. You know, it's yeah. like I feel like that's what leaders need to be doing right now is just like steering their own ships, taking care of their people, you know, not paying attention to what's going on above them at all. You know? Exactly. exactly. So let, let's get down to brass tacks, man. You started out in animation and I, I've found out I did a little bit of research. I loved your books growing up. Still love them. Razzle was amazing. I had no idea you had something to do with California raisins, which was a huge part of my childhood. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, it's so weird. <laughs> well, I hate I hate to pop or burst that bubble, but I did not have anything. We were we, the you probably got that story from my, the, my I've talked about the fact that we used to own an animation studio, me and a couple of my college buddies, and we were just starting out, and we really wanted to do character style animation like you know disney or, or bugs bunny or something but we just couldn't get anything except really bad commercial work and they always wanted it to look like that blackman style that squiggly line Ooh. that's now on the <laughs> now it's now you see it on the red bull gives you wings kind of thing but every that's yeah. all anybody wanted and then all of a sudden california raisins came on this claymation and it was a it was a huge hit and we thought now that looks like fun and we actually started getting people calling us Said, hey, we want to do a commercial. Can you do it like California? And we said, oh, of course we can. Of course, we had no idea how to do it at all. <laughs> but we we did it, and we did a number of claymation uh, commercials. We did do them for White Castles. We did White Castles kids meals, which we used to joke like, "Don't you have to show your ID to eat at White Castles?" I was surprised that kids could even eat there. <laughs> well, but they had a good sense of humor, and yeah, no, I'm sorry, I did not do California raisins, but I did do plenty of other boring bits of animation. Well, I'm sorry. I think we're through here now. No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> All right, thanks. I just wanted to talk. This is, you know, as you know, this is California Raisins Talk. And if you can't get with the program. <laughs> yeah. <if> you can't. <laughs> yeah. So what, what were you able to carry over? Because, you know, animation was, you know, a part of, you know, your formative years as a, as a creator, what were you able to carry over from that into sequential art? Or, or did you carry anything over? Uh, I think I did. I mean, I was really more interested in comic strips first. I was really interested in comic strips. I liked, I loved comic books when I was a kid, but I'd lost touch with them sometime in high school. And by the time I was in college, I was really into like Doonesbury. What else was there? Farside. I loved that. And I still love Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes, those kind of strips. And I, well, actually, Calvin and Hobbes was. But while I was trying to get a comic of Bone sold, I had to do something to make a living. And I, I tried working at McDonald's and, and I didn't do too well there. But, uh, 
But I did, I did start up an animation studio with uh, two of my college buddies. Somehow we figured it out. When one of the guys had some connections with some local ad agencies, and he had access to OSU's animation stand. And we were like, okay, let's start a company. And we did. So what did I bring over from that? Well, I guess it was important for me to point out that I was into comics sequential art first. But then I spent like eight years doing animation. And it did absolutely broaden my skills. I mean, first of all, you have to do thousands of drawings, just hundreds of thousands of drawings. And you just are going to get better at it. And you're going to learn proper construction because if you make a mistake it really shows when you put all the pictures together so you've got to really understand the three-dimensional form that you're creating two-dimensionally you've got to be able to turn it around in space you've got to give it weight you have to understand basic movement and acting and i think i think a lot of that did come through in both especially acting that's awesome and and you seems like you really have a firm grasp even in like the early issues of Bone, on things like comedic timing and pacing. Mm. Yeah, I, that probably. I mean, I know that comes from comic strips. More, it doesn't come from animation so much. I mean, I was there was a comic strip. I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but there was a comic strip in the seventies. You probably know who Walt Kelly and Pogo is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I mean, I I read those. He had collections, you know, just like a Calvin and Hobbes collection or a Garfield collection. And I read those things religiously, and they were so funny. But the best timing I ever saw in a comic strip was the original Popeye from like the 30s, done by his creator, E.C. Seeger. And uh, man, the timing was just so funny and outrageous and rough and fast. I mean, he would, there should definitely be another panel in there before Popeye hits that guy, but splat, he hit him. He didn't even wait, he skipped that panel. And it makes the timing was like faster, snappier. And that I picked up on that a lot. That's yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Do you, one of the questions I had was like for a lot of the versions of your comics that I have, they're they're like the black and white versions. Like you did the the really great compendium of Bone, where it's all the black and white pages. And when I discovered Razzle, I sort of walked into a comic book store and I found that nice oversized black and white like first issue of drift yeah. you know yeah and it, like i kind of wonder if like your 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 black and white art sensibility comes a little bit of from your love of comic strips you know because i think they have such a clarity in that form you know and i kind of always think of your artwork looking that way uh, yeah it definitely does i mean that was like as i said that was my original goal was a newspaper comic strip and they were all in black and white back then. And I was also a big fan. Around the age of 10, I got a hold of this big hardcover, big fat hardcover collection of the celebrated cases of Dick Tracy by Chester Gould. And that, there's a guy that really just used big black areas. And it was very graphic, very clean and stylized. I was very turned on by that work. And of course, I always liked cartoons like Bugs Bunny and even you know Snow White or whatever Disney movies were on. Jungle Book was actually what what was happening when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, the, awesome. so like that, so that kind of that clean iconic style is what has always appealed. And yeah, the black and white. I wanted to do Pogo. So if I had <laughs> wanted to do Pogo, I had to learn to do black and white as good as Walt Kelly. I didn't make it, but that's <laughs> that became my style. 
my failure to be Walt Kelly. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, one of the top graphic novels, like consistently listed of all time. I think that's doing pretty good for yourself. And uh, yeah, I don't like, I, I really love the way that you flat the black areas, you know, like I do, you know, some comics art on the side myself and, you know, like that's something I have a hard time with and I kind of, you know, it's embarrassing, but I keep a copy of bone next to my table and I'll just like flip through and be like, how can oh, I that's, add, that's cool. add flat, like add flat black areas to kind of read the graphic like make it a little bit more graphically legible. Um, like I think yeah, you, should... you, you know who I think does that better than anybody right now is Mignola. Mm. Mignola. I mean, he's just, I, in fact, I asked him early on, we, he'd, he was obviously into working in comics before I was, but he and I are the same age. Uh, but I'm, but we were both Hellboy and Bone were kind of peaking around the same time. So in the early nineties, somewhere we were at, in San Diego, we were, we, I ran into him and I actually asked him, I said, now when you draw these things and cause I love his, the way he puts his blacks in, mm. and I said, do you, do you actually draw the whole thing and then work out where the shadows are? Or do you only draw the part that's in the light? <laughs> he said, I only draw the part that's in the light. I said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Like I, I love Hellboy. Like that's another one that I'm always going back, you know, like, cause it's just so beautiful how, like how, how such small little bits of light and you understand everything in this scene. Like, I think he's really masterful. Yeah. His, uh, the, the, one of the things that blew me away as he was progressing and just getting better and better, he started this little thing where so there's action happening on the page and all of a sudden just, There'll be like panels floating, you know, around, and they're the statues that are nearby, like the mm. the gargoyles just staring, or or some, you know, old saint or something, just kind of watching the fight. It's like that is cool, man. That is <laughs> that is really moody and creepy. It's awesome. <laughs> I always I always feel like I I should have you know, gone to Catholic school when I see those panels and I, I feel like my experience would be enriched by being like that Saint so-and-so. And like, yeah. he was, you know, he was murdered in this like really grisly way, you know, like, <laughs> but I know exactly what you're talking about, you know? Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so like kind of just as a follow-up, you know, like, do you feel like your artwork changes when, when other people come in and sort of like add color to it? Is that like, how, how do you feel about that process? Actually, it's been pretty good because of, well, it started with Scholastic and reprinting Bone in Color, which Scholastic didn't insist on. But I thought, well, I thought it would be a good way to differentiate it from just reprinting the same books that I'd already been doing. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, Art Spiegelman was involved in the early days of getting that imprint set up at Scholastic, although he didn't oh, eventually cool. do it. He, 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 he was, it was, he originally was talking to them about editing it, and he talked me into it. He talked me into doing color. He just really felt like Bone would really be much more exciting to younger readers in color. Mm. And it turns out he was right. He actually didn't end up signing with Scholastic, and he and his wife, Francois Mouly, started their own tune books on, on, the, on their own. But I was already signed with Scholastic by then. Anyway... Part of the deal was, yes, I would do it in color, but I wanted to hire somebody in-house. Uh, and so Scholastic paid for the, you know, for the color to be done. And I, I had a guy in-house who was working on making bone toys and doing all sorts of other little design stuff for me. And he took a shot at it. And so, oh, long story short, 
I got to oversee the color very closely. Oh, I thought nice. Steve, Steve was very talented. He did all the heavy lifting. He knew Photoshop. I know Photoshop now. I didn't know beans. <laughs> I didn't know beans about it back then. So he knew how to do, you know, do all the layers and make flats and, and get everything going. And, and his color palette really matched my sense of, of what I saw that it should mm. look like. So basically, I, w- I would sit there. He would, he would go through and do a pass on a page. And then I would sit there with him and we'd kind of go over it. And my, my, my tweaks were mostly about like where I wanted your eye to be looking at. Mm. Cause you know, sometimes Steve's, you know, he's just trying to make sure the color is the same in each panel or whatever. I'm worried about the story flow. So I'm like, mm. well, I want your eye to be looking to be looking at Fomon's foot here and I want it to be looking off in the distance in the next panel. And I would do that by like brightening up a patch on the ground or something like that or putting a brighter color. And that's pretty much my contribution was just making sure it was, it, it, it added to the story and continued the storytelling and didn't stop your eye for any reason. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of great that you got to be kind of in the same room kind of seeing what he's working on as he's doing it. Like, I think it's, pretty rare for people to be even in the same city or you know sometimes even in the same country as they're collaborating these days i think you're right and i was i am very happy about it and by the time uh i did rassle i originally wanted to do it in that big oversized book you were talking about Mm -hmm. that's how i wanted it to be but i just got real resistance from retailers i don't know and retailers if the retailers aren't going to stock it i can't sell it Mm-hmm. So I did still do it. I did. I did four of those and did the whole story in black and white. But I, the sales weren't very good. So <laughs> well, uh, uh, four four of them are from me. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's how many we sold. So thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have those on my shelf, and I like. I'm I'm always pulling them down, showing them to students and stuff. Oh, like, thanks. I I, I I like them. However, with Bone, I prefer the black and white. So the big fat 1300 page black and white, that's where my heart is. But kids really do like the color and the color is good. So I see it. I like them both, but mm-hmm. I like the black and white better with Rassel at the very last minute. Cause I was thinking I was just going to leave it black and white, mm-hmm. like, like bone, just do a big compendium in black and white. But Steve wanted to, he said, let's do it in color. Cause he, we were all kind of talking about how the fact that Rassel just really didn't get as much traction as bone did which we didn't expect it to. The bone was kind of a lightning in the bottle kind of situation. Yeah. But we thought it could get a little better. We thought it could do a little bit better. And Steve's idea was skip the black and white compilation. Let's color it and put it out as a one volume in color. And I said, well, I want it to come out in San Diego. And I believe what 2012, I think maybe. Mm. And Steve had like, I don't know, like a month before we had to make a decision. But, Pretty much, it had to go to the printer in Taiwan in four months. Wow. So we needed to decide if he's going to color it. That's a 500 pages. There's a lot of pages to color. We needed to find a color palette. I said, this can't, can't be the same as bone. And he agreed. So he spent a month you know, doing little experiments with little sections of the book with different colors. And I just didn't really see anything that I thought was better than just doing it in black and white. And then right at the last minute. Right before we had to make the decision, he came up with this palette. If you, I don't know if you've seen the color. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it's this rich, smoky, textured yeah. color that's just amazing. 
And I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think it's the best job I've ever seen in an American mm-hmm. comic book as far as coloring goes. <laughs> this is European level mm-hmm. coloring, which is, I think that's the bar. That's the bar. Anyway, that meant <laughs> he had three months to color 500 pages. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was he busted it. And, and I was right behind him. I was going right behind him on every page trying to, because we couldn't get behind at all. I was like, you know, lightening up things. I was adding a little reflected light. So yeah, I worked, I worked even actually learned how to do some of the Photoshop on that. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> seems like harder and harder to be an artist these days, like any, any sort of artist without having some knowledge of Adobe products, you know, like yes. even... Even even like fine artists, like like oil painters, I know they're like, oh yeah, sure, I like I know how to use Photoshop. That's how I collage together my sources and things like that. But yeah, like I'm I'm currently reading through Razzle again in color on my tablet on the computer through Comixology, and it's it's crazy. Like the colors, I think I think you guys landed on they're beautiful, and it, like it does change the experience. Like I think it's a different experience than the than the black and white, which is very noir. And this one feels just more atmospheric and a little bit like, like I yeah. think it's less, less spooky, but it's like you feel the world a little bit more realistically going on around them. Oh, uh, that's an excellent way to, I agree. Do you mind if I ask you about, because bone was, was such a massive undertaking for you. It was, you know, your, your first, I think it was your first comic like, yeah. period. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so you're working on this thing for over 10 years. It's a story you'd pretty much been writing, and characters you've been playing around with all of your life when you ended the story how did you deal with that like emotionally and mentally because those are characters that live in your head yeah it, there was, there was something yeah no you're not wrong it was there was definitely something heavy i, I mean emotionally my the very first thing was just relief <laughs> I mean, you plan out a story and you can see that it's going to be over a decade. You start worrying that you're going to like get hit by a bus or something and never finish it. Yeah. Or, yeah. or your ideas, you, you won't, won't come together or it won't work. Or we, So when the whole thing finally came together, I would get, I, well, let me back up a second. I would really get a boost of energy every time I, I got a new collection together. I remember very much when, uh, volume five, the rock job book. And I was able to put it on my shelf and I go, and at that point I knew there was going to be uh, four more. And then you just start knocking them down and you get to it. And, and I was just like, so, so happy to get to the end and feel like I got it where I wanted it to be. And then there was all sorts of other things at the same time, because if I think I put that out, I finished that in May and we wanted to do the one volume edition in have it in San Diego that July, which meant another crazy, crazy train thing, just like coloring Russell. <laughs> and I, I always, I always changed. I always fixed things that bothered me in the comic books. So if anybody has only read the comic books, then, and then they read the one volume edition, they would definitely notice changes. The story is a much, it's a much smoother, a lot of things they wouldn't notice. They're like, just I just a hand that I hated. Uh-huh. You know, I hate that hand. I, I don't have time to fix it. I'll fix it later, and I fix it. That kind of thing. So, in order to, and I had all these things in my mind that I really want to fix before we did the one volume edition, which was going to be the final one. 
not going to make any more changes. <laughs> I had a, I had a, I Xeroxed all the pages that I wanted to make changes on. And I, it had to be 200 and there. I had them pinned on the wall of my office so that I was almost like wallpaper on two walls of just all the pages where I, somewhere I was going to make a change, whether it was a drawing or I was going to add a whole page. Because sometimes you have to add, if you're going to add something that changes the page pagination, mm. you can't do that because I actually count on the page turn to, to give me a certain a kick or a little jolt for the reader. Yeah. So yeah. If, I, if I change it, sometimes I have to add like a whole other page just to keep that pagination going. Sometimes two pages, that's really annoying. So anyway, I didn't have time to rest. I went right into that. And... I had, I forget what, however much time. It wasn't long. I had like a month to make these changes on the 200 pages. Wow. And Vijaya, who's kind of going, go, 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 go. <laughs> she said, if you do this, if you make it, if we get it and we send it off to the printer in time, you can go anywhere in the world you want, anywhere. And <laughs> now I can't remember where I picked, but it was like some, <laughs> it was some island in the South Pacific. It was really cool. Nice. And, uh, so, and I made it. I made it, and we did it. And then the, the 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 real shadow of bone came when I was trying to do anything else. The that was a mental kind of like how, I, really it, well. Rassle I was was supposed to be the next thing, but I was having real trouble breaking out from the bone storytelling to the Rassle storytelling. They're very very different kinds of yeah. stories. Uh, and so, what was a great relief to me was uh, when DC called and asked if I wanted to do a Captain Marvel Shazam book. And that was great because that was there was a lot less pressure or it was more obvious how to tell that kind of a story. And I was able to just do that and take a break before I got into wrestle. That was actually going to be my next question. So I'm guessing it was kind of a refresher for you to, to work on the Shazam Society of Evil comic. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was, it was, if they'd asked me to, cause they called me and asked if I would do, first I said, would you just, would you like to do a superhero? And I said, I, well, I didn't, I couldn't think of any, but I just said, well, like which one? And they, if they had said Superman or Batman, even though that would be really flattering, I wouldn't have done it because I don't have anything new really to say about Superman or Batman, even though I loved them when I was a kid. But uh, Captain Marvel and Shazam, that that character, I mean, Jerry Ordway, Ordwell did a Ordway, 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 yeah. He, I liked what he did, but that was about the only kind of time he'd really been t- changed since since the '40s, right? Plus, he has talking tigers, and there's sort of a <laughs> kind of a mythological underpinning to him. So, I, I thought it was fun. So, when when you when you transitioned from say that to Razzle. Uh, you, you mentioned you were having trouble getting into that headspace to write the book. What helped you to to kind of make that transition finally? Well, I knew. Well, the original, the initial idea was the parallel universe. The idea that you could go to a world that's very, very similar to ours, but and maybe meet your wife, but she's married to somebody else. That kind of idea. There's this crazy other world. And then I started getting into more science fiction and political thriller type ideas. And and I, I ended up on as noir as or you know, yeah, as a as a genre to build the story in. So I was mixing science fiction and I'm trying to think of the what's what what do you call the 
the books that those are based on. Never mind. They're they're nor. I'm they're like. Sorry, I'm just blanking on a word I really want, but I don't get to have it. <laughs> and I know, I, so and I watch a lot of those kind of movies. I, I understand the basic tropes and the, the the kinds of shadows. That's kind of interesting. But there's, but the basic idea is you have, you know, you have your 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 hero or antihero. You have his nemesis, the bad guy, and you have a femme fatale. And then there has to be a, a maze of some kind, like either the city. Mm-hmm. Or a maze of his own making, uh, a web of lies, or something like that. There's something where he's created a situation that he's gotten himself into, and on a very primitive level, he's got to get himself out. And I was that was leading me toward the desert. Uh, I, I have a my brother-in-law lives in Tucson, uh, and I knew that I just wanted it to be in the Sonoran Desert because that's where you know those giant cactus are that are in all our Ids, right? Uh-huh. For the Western. The, the, the thing, but I'm still struggling for what is the actual story? I mean, I, I got parallel universes. I got, uh, I got all this fun, great stuff. I got, I got the, the mystery woman, the bad guy. And a friend of mine, when I was talking about sort of the physics behind parallel universes, string theory, M theory, all this kind of stuff, she said, you need to read up on the Philadelphia experiment. And Nikola Tesla, and just just follow that rabbit hole. And I did, and my hair was blown back. And that was that was the missing piece. I needed a MacGuffin. I needed the Maltese Falcon, and I had all of a sudden I had Tesla's lost journals, and that was the piece. The whole story came together super fast. It was very fun. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, like I think it works really nicely. It's just this coherent, like nice little, uh, nice story. Like it feels uh, complete when you get all the way to the end of it. Well, let me let me ask you something because sure, I've had people say to me, you know, the little the twist reveal at the end, which we're going to give uh, away right now. Spoiler: <laughs> I've had people call and say, oh, "I knew it was Maya before the end." <laughs> <laughs> well, you were supposed to, right? I mean, uh-huh. they said they said that Maya's alive and she's out there. You, right then, you're supposed to read that. You're no longer supposed to not know that that's Maya. You're mm-hmm. supposed to wonder if Russell figured it out. Yeah, and you can't quite tell. That's what's so. Which way did you read it? I mean, like, I think I read it. Like, I'm trying to think back when I when I first read it. Like, what my initial reaction was, and I I just remember. Like I, I knew it was my, and like, I, I, I tend to read things in like an optimistic sort of way. Um, <laughs> my, my, my wife is always giving me a little bit of a hard time. Like whenever we read a novel where like there's an ambiguous ending, like she sees it as going a horrible direction and I see it as being like, no, like, like it could have, it could have worked out great. Um, <laughs> have you ever read the road? <laughs> uh, I have read the road. I can't, I, oh my I can't gosh. convince my wife to read that. I'm thinking about the, the giver, like that young adult novel where oh. Oh, yeah. just like, it like ends and you're like, he's out in the middle of nowhere and he's, he's fleeing from this authoritarian, you know, society. Well, and you're like, what, what happens? But, well, that you sounds know, like the end of Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, like I, I, I was like, he's, he, he knows. And like, I, 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 I got the sense it was going to work out, you know, but it's somehow, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, um, of course. Yeah. I, he was gonna, he was going to live. Yeah. But would he pull off a saving the world? 
<laughs> um, Unfortunately, so. he had to. He had to. He had to destroy everything he loved. Everything. Yeah. So you know, like I, I thought it was just a, a beautiful story, and I'm actually enjoying going through and reading it again in color because there's like little little bits that I'd forgotten. You know, I I I, I for. I forgot how how entirely and completely creepy the girl is. Like the first time we see it, it's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like gives you like chills down your spine. Like there's a like I think comics is a really hard medium to be to be like scary in because you have that thing where like you can look ahead and you know it's like a novel where you can close mm-hmm. it if you want to, and like like I thought it did a good job of like just creating this spooky atmosphere where where it's like you kind of like you're not sure what's going on in those moments. So like, yeah, I'm enjoying kind of like reliving through that a little bit. Oh, cool. Uh, Thanks, man. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you're trying it. Yeah. And uh, so one question I had was just like, I think you've like, you've had a lot of different experiences like publishing comics, you know, and you started your own company to publish bone. And I think for a little while you were publishing it through images and image. And then it went back to publishing through your company and then you kind of distributed with or published with Scholastic and you had your web comic and you worked with DC and I was just interested in kind of like your take on the comic publishing world like kind of like what was your experiences in those different publishing arenas and kind of like what what was enjoyable and less enjoyable for me each they were all pretty good i'm not sure i had the usual experience mm-hmm. like because you know i jay and i published bone ourselves and and i don't know how but it became a hit and so when we were dealing with other publishers we were already we weren't i wasn't some kid coming up with a portfolio you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but that said yeah i am i really don't need an editor beyond just bouncing an idea off of jaya i can i can tell from her reaction if i'm heading in the right direction or not Mm -hmm. so i was nervous a little bit going to dc just because you know you you hear stories about how they Jack Kirby was the editor on his books, but they still redrew Superman's face without telling uh-huh. him, you know? <laughs> it's like, wow. But I did not have any experience like that at all. I, they, knew, they knew me. They knew what I was doing, and they, nothing was really going on with Captain Marvel or Shazam at the time. And they actually said, we, the, the story they told me was we had a big meeting, and we're like, all right, wish list any any creator and any character go and the two i remember was the group said plastic man and kyle baker and me and shazam and so they (laughs) contacted so they knew they knew and they actually he actually said to me look we know what you do and we kind of want a a fun old-fashioned a superhero story. We 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 want that. We think Captain Marvel is that. So, and I was happy to do it. <laughs> and it was like I actually really enjoyed, you know, the the Shazam book. And like, it's kind of interesting because you kind of pair like this really childlike sensibility of of the two main characters, but then you're also kind of hinting at all of the political stuff that was going on in the world at the time. Yeah. you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like you you have this kind of like almost you know dick cheney carl rove sort of 
evil warmongering character. And it's well, like, it, that it was, feels a little real, you know? Well, that was going yeah. on at that time. Right? Yeah. And it was, it was also in the comics as well. If you recall, I think mm-hmm. when they, when they first approached me, I think Lex Luthor was president of the United States. So that's why I was like, Oh, well he would hire his buddy, Dr. Savannah as the, a defense secretary or whatever I made him. I don't remember what he is. <laughs> it was like the the it was it was like some riff on the Department of Homeland Security. It was like oh yeah, that's right. That's like right. almost almost nearly the director of that. <laughs> oh yeah, it was the Heartland Heartland Security. There you go. <laughs> Did you ever get any flack for that? Uh, so yeah, some fans. They actually said I was actually drawing Dick Cheney when I was drawing Doctor Savannah, but. I don't see the resemblance at all, but, but yeah, he was definitely there. I, I, there was a little, little current day politics in there, but it wasn't supposed to actually be anybody here. I think it was the glasses the like, like made people see Dick Cheney in that character. But. <laughs> well, that's because Dick Cheney was, is Dr. Savannah. So yeah, that's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I Dick always Cheney's pictured fault. him more as a, like the penguin. Mm. But oh, yeah. Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I yeah, guess. I mean, some people pushed back on that a little bit, but not much. I I got more pushback on the fact that I wasn't doing Captain Marvel as just Tom Hanks in Big. I mean, I was still the idea was still that he was going to be childlike because the two would would rub off on each other. But you know, I went back and did the research and. There's all these stories where Captain Marvel is a different character from Billy. Like when Billy was taking a test one time, he called, he whispers really softly, Shazam. <laughs> and Shazam only appears like almost like a ghost and looks at the question and knows the answer because he's an adult. And there's a, so like, I mean, Captain Marvel was actually, he's this guardian spirit who kind of changes place with Billy. He's sort of like a genie in the bottle. And that's the way he was all the way up until. This this most recent incarnation at DC, where uh, mm. I think it was pre Jerry Ordway, but uh, that's when they started kind of making him a child with in Superman's body. Which I, I, I like some of that, and that's where I was going. If I were, were to do a sequel, yeah, every, I mean, you can see Captain Marvel was becoming more rash and a little more open to the world the way Billy was. My favorite thing was making Mary a little girl. <laughs> I, I thought that was that. so fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, nobody kept that. Well, like, I like that she stayed immature, you know, like, like she's, she's acting like a kid, you know, and, you know, like zipping around and like taunting people, you know, like, like, like it kind of made it like feel a little bit more interesting to have like this one person who, when they transform, they kind of grow up and this other person who transforms, and like they stay themselves, like they stay the kid, and yeah, like, to kind of compare that a little bit, like because like I feel like a lot of young superheroes, you know, I say this, I'm, I I don't actually read a whole lot of superhero comics, but I feel like a lot of young superheroes, you know, it's like they're they're wise beyond their years just because they have these like powers and responsibilities, yeah. and she stayed kind of carefree, which was yeah, did like I saw like a. I've been reading Black Hammer and there's this nice little parallel with the Golden Gale character. <laughs> I don't know if you've been reading it, but she kind of has a a similar sort of thing, you know, this like like obviously based on Shazam, but you know, I don't know, like if if you've been reading that, but I haven't. I don't know that Black Hammer who's yeah. doing it. Uh, so it was written by <laughs> Jeff Lemire. 
and uh, uh, it's it's fantastic. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, um, I love Jeff. I love Jeff Duff. I will. Yeah. I will look for that. <laughs> and it's got like it's got a like kind of an all star cast of you know artists working on it. It's got Dean Ormston is doing the drawing. It's got uh, Todd Klein doing the lettering, and I think Dave Stewart's doing the coloring on it. Ooh, I like I, his color. Yeah, it's just a it's a beautiful book, and it's I don't like I don't know when I cut out, but it's just like it was initially written as kind of almost this love story to classic comics and science fiction and superheroes, but blew up, and it's it's a whole it's a whole like universe now, you know, like he's, he's obviously doing a nod to like some of these classic characters like Shazam and Superman, but adding a little twist to it. Is it who's publishing it? A uh, dark horse. Dark horse. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> Do you guys ever, did you ever read Tom strong? Yes. Through what was it, America's best comics? Yeah. That was yes. a very similar kind of thing where <laughs> this family, they could, sometimes you think they're, Shazam, the Shazam family. Sometimes you think they're Doc Savage, and sometimes you think they're mm. like Tarzan and Jane, and it's it's fantastic. I loved it. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing Black Hammer. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. really really fun. <clears throat> um, so when it, in regards to self publishing and on the on the business front, did did anyone ever kind of step in and just kind of give you like some tips or some pointers? Was anybody there to kind of put you under under their wing to help or was this all just blood sweat tears and a, a billion mistakes until you till you hit the right thing <laughs> um well sort of i mean i ran into uh, a group of similar fellow travelers like dave sim mm-hmm. colleen doran rick veach larry martyr just uh, this whole crowd of yeah self-publishers and we all just kind of fell in together and Dave Finn, of course, had been doing it for like 15 years and carved out his little territory in, in the land of comics. So we all traded advice and shared our mistakes and pitfalls, and that really helped. That's awesome. And so that when when your wife finally you, you convinced your wife who had a, a lucrative job in in tech or something. Yeah. To, to help you out on the business front, did did you think you were crazy when that was happening? <laughs> how, how terrifying was that? There was a moment. There was a moment where we were at the edge and we had to decide if we were to jump or what, play it safe. We were, she took a job. I sold my animation company to my partners and then to try this comic book. And Vijay was already my partner in, not in name yet, or but in fact. So she was helping me. We were like working out the plan together with a business plan. And we basically settled, we'll do this for a year, do like six issues. And if there's no reason to believe that we should keep going, we'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll go back to animation. And uh, meantime, she took a job in... Northern California in Silicon Valley at a startup company. And I mean, she wasn't like, she didn't have stock in it or anything. So it's not like, I mean, but she had a good job. She had a real job. <laughs> I, was making, <laughs> I was making comic books at home. And, but something happened. I mean, like between, I started in 91 and sometime between 92 and 93, it just, that in one, it went, one year did barely anything. 
but it got some good reviews. So I said, okay, well, I'll get to go keep going and do another year. And this next year, it, it, it almost like sales didn't just double every issue. They were exponential mm. and they were blowing up. And I think it, it was, it was moving fast. And as soon as it hit, this other weird thing happened where suddenly the comic book industry, <laughs> this is what it felt like to me. It's like almost like this collective group of giant heads turned and looked at me. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, because it was everything. All of a sudden, you know, I'm getting in, you know, getting called to do interviews in Wizard in well, Comic that's, Journal. That's where I discovered you. Yeah, it was weird. And then uh, and and then also all these like bubblegum card companies wanted to do bone bubblegum card sets. And and Dark Horse wanted to do little bone cold cast statues. And and I'm just like, "Wow, that's this wild. is so cool." And 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 at that same time, we're still, you know, I've still got like whatever the first four or five, uh, maybe six issues of bone in boxes in my closet. And, I, and, you know, and I'm selling them direct to stores and everything. And, and at some point I was spending more time selling, packing up orders for stores and individuals. And then I was spending on the book and the, it looked to me like if I could, if Vijay would take over all the business part, dealing with the publisher, the printers and the distributors, because there's like 12 distributors back then. So it was like a lot mm -hmm. of, it was better to have 12, but it was still a lot more work. And I thought, maybe she could do that. I bet I could really, I could concentrate on the comic and promoting the comic and we could do this. And it took me a while to talk her into it. It took, it took about six months because it was scary, <laughs> but, but she saw, I mean, she looked at it. She saw that the, every new issue, it, you know, the, the sales were more than doubled. So she said, okay, let's do it. And I couldn't believe it. It was great. And as soon as she did that, and I could, I, I not only did the comic, I focused on prom, promotion too. So I worried about doing interviews and going on the road and, and doing the comic. And we both did. And we really quickly settled into our life was either being on the road promoting it or or doing invoices and drawing it. And that was what it was. That is, that is a tale of perseverance. <laughs> it, was, um. <laughs> it was a tale of being young <laughs> and, and doing things that you didn't realize you really sh couldn't do. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I read about Bone for the first time in Wizard Magazine, and I had my mom take me to uh, downtown Birmingham, which is where I grew up to a store called Lion and Unicorn, and I bought uh, I think issues one, two, and three. Yeah, so you I, were you were an early adopter. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was I. I forget how far along you were. Oh, at the time. Yeah, but it was when Wizard Magazine was was talking about you guys. You know, saying you were the best thing since pre sliced bread. So that I was I was oh I have to get into this <laughs> because. I've always been, even with like music and stuff, if I find a band that I like, I'll find out who influenced them. So right. if I hear about somebody that's doing, you know, amazing on something, I, I want to see it. And yeah. they were talking very highly of you. So it, it made me a fan. And now my kids, I have a five and a, a nine-year-old and they've, I've, I've read Bone to them. We wow. have the, the huge doorstop collection yeah, yeah and they love it 
That is in its 27th printing now, I think. Oh, my Lord. I know. It's cheese and crackers, man. It's still (laughs) cheese and crackers. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you, uh, over the course of your art abilities, you know, learning how to do your, your work, did you develop your style naturally or is it just from, you know, being uh, influenced by stuff like Pogo and Karl Barks and stuff. Was it, did you have to, to struggle to find that style? No, the style came from many, many parts. I mean, yeah, there's Karl Barks, there's Walt Kelly, but I was also really into like film. I, I mean, Jaws was like one of my favorite movies. Seven Samurai is probably my favorite movie of all time. I love Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I love I just love storytelling. I love novels. I would I mean I can't tell you how many times I've read The Iliad or The Odyssey or Moby Dick. <laughs> I like big chunky stories and I like there to be more than just there needs to be some there there. Like even in Jaws, which seems pretty straightforward kind of a monster thing, the three guys on the boat. That is a story. That is a, there's some real stuff there. It even has a little Captain Ahab going on. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I just love that kind of stuff. So all of that, all of it kind of came together. And it, I never really, it never, I never really did it consciously. I didn't think, oh, I've got to go do good. I need to do comics a certain way. I just, I had always had an idea of how you could just tell them to make them feel like they're moving in real time. Because I'd seen a lot of comics that were even even heroes of mine, like Steranko and Neil Adams, who I think are unbelievable. They did a lot of experimentation that I think falls into the neato category, but doesn't do shit for the story. Mm. You know, like there's a very famous dead man story where the he's falling down a cliff wall. And if you hold the page back, the cliff wall actually makes dead man's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> out of different panels or stuff like that. That doesn't really mean anything. So I went for a much more straightforward kind of storytelling and t- telling timing like that and stuff like that. I mean, one conscious decision was no thought balloons. You're never going to be able to see what somebody's thinking because that would be odd if even in a movie. I mean, they, yeah. they do it sometimes. They'll like zoom into somebody and you hear what they say, but that's odd. I just think, you just don't need to do that. You just have, you just show what's, and you can hear what people are saying and should be able to tell what they're thinking by the way they're acting or they're, what they're saying or doing. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, I, I, you know, the, the references to Moby Dick and Bone are actually one of the, the selling points when I'm trying to lend it out to people. <laughs> and I'm like, really? and he's got this, he's got this copy of Moby Dick and he's trying to like, he's trying to get everybody to read it. And, uh, you know, it's like everybody's rolling their eyes at him the whole way through. And people are like, that sounds, that sounds hilarious. Like, I, like, uh, <laughs> and I, I've, I've gotten several people to take my copy and, and read through it. And, you know, not all of them are, are comics people. Like, I, I thought that was just such a, a, a fun plot point just kind of running through um, it did turn out to be a good running gag <laughs> i haven't met too many people who have told me you got me to read moby dick uh, well you you actually did got me, get me to read moby dick like it was a book i was never going to give a chance and i was like ah you know it's like uh, jeff smith highly recommends it <laughs> um, if you make I, it through it it's 
it, it, it was you, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you put it down and you're like, wow, what did I just live through? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, like when I was in school, like everybody always rolled their eyes at it. They're like, oh, so, so boring. You know, like every book that kids are forced to read suddenly becomes distasteful. But, you know, like sitting down, like, like it kind of had me when I started, I listened to it as an audiobook, and it kind of had me the second there was like Queequeg and the shrunken heads. I was like, I'm like, this is, yeah. this is amazing. You know, like in the way he describes, you know, walking through the city, but. And, and even the, the, the sections that most people can't get through are the, you know, talking about the whale's heads and all that stuff. When I first read it, it, it was, I mean, there was, you still didn't really know that much about whales. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember when the, I don't think blue whales had been discovered when I was a kid in the sixties, or at least I don't think so, but you know, they were still like whales were still mysterious. I didn't even really have a one big picture of a whale anywhere. So that was really exciting to me to read that section and find out. And I'm sure it was, uh, for readers, you know, in the late 1800s. Yeah. So kind of, switching like you had kind of talked about being wait interested. no no don't you, oh. wait no don't, don't you want to talk about Moby Dick some more <laughs> I like talk about Moby all Dick. about whale head <laughs> that that part like that there's a whole section it was a little rough to read through you know like having lived through you know like save the whale campaigns but you know as a, as a story it's so well told but you, you'd kind of talked about being inspired by all different sorts of storytelling regardless of the form and we had that fantastic news last October that there was going to be a, a Netflix series of bone. And I, I just kind of want to wanted to ask, like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's bits you can't talk about, but just kind of like, how was the process of getting it, it to that point? Cause it sounds like it's been a bit of a journey. And if there is anything you can share, we are spoiler country. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, that's right. We did some spoiling. Well, it's been it's been twenty years. I mean, I it's mm-hmm. been l- literally twenty two years since I signed originally with uh, Nickelodeon and Paramount, and we've been through a couple other studios. We were at Warner Brothers for ten years. It was not the most pleasant experience. Is it um, true at, at Nickelodeon that they were gonna? Use NSYNC as the score. Well, they yes, they wanted to because the they yeah we could get a lot of money to pay for the movie if we mm-hmm. a- actually had like <laughs> Britney Spears and NSYNC and like so more you know, modern music. But I just but I was like I just that's I just can't see that. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't make me, but I saw mm-hmm. the light in their eyes go out. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, after two years, you know, the first option was up. And they could have renewed it, but they just let it go. They knew they knew I wasn't going to make the movie they wished I was going to. So, praise be to them. And then I worked with um, someone we didn't actually announce with because we fell out with them so fast. With Sony <laughs> and Red Wagon, and our talks with them. Oh, we also talked with. Oh, yeah, that was Sony, and they immediately were like, "Oh, well, the Bones are just sidekicks. You know, this is a really a story about Thorn." And her grandma Ben. You know, this is Thorne is Luke Skywalker. So we're going to start the story with her, and then the Bones could come in, and they're sort of like R two D two and C three PO. And and Vijaya was just in the middle of this meeting. Goes, what? Why would you change that? She, mm-hmm. And they said, Well, Foam <laughs> Bones too perfect. He's too perfect. He has no flaws. And Vijaya says, He's short. He's bald. He has a big nose. And he's in love with this beautiful girl. He is. He's only flaws, <laughs> and he's insecure. 
<laughs> anyway, so that didn't go anywhere. And then, of course, then Warner Brothers. It was uh, they. I that was a that was a nightmare that I'm not ready to talk about yet. It's too traumatic. <laughs> but basically, oh, they they took it and put it on the shelf for ten years, and oh, I didn't even talk to me hardly after the first couple of years. So I just had to wait. And again, mm-hmm. they could have just made something shitty, and then they would have owned it forever. But they didn't. Mm. After 10 years, I guess they felt they tortured me enough, and they returned the rights to me. And we were, Vijay and I, it was such an unpleasant 20 years that we said, well, we're not going to we're not gonna sell this anymore. Let's just put this on the shelf and keep it and not tell anybody that we have the rights back. But immediately word got out, and we started hearing from all these streaming services. <laughs> so that struck me as kind of a different deal because the problem, the main problem we were having is how do you make the Lord of the Rings in one hour and a half animated movie for kids? And they, we just couldn't do it. Now doing it as a serialized series, we can do it exactly like we did in the comics. So, and that's how they want to. So that's, that's very exciting. Now, as far as what's happening at Netflix, <laughs> wah, wah, pandemic yeah yeah <laughs> we 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 still are moving forward we actually have hired some people whose names will be known i will not steal netflix's thunder by saying anything uh but yeah we didn't get far enough that we could work from home do you know what i mean yeah oh, we just yeah. got started and hollywood shut down yeah and so we're just now starting to talk about how we can, how we can get going again. So it's 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 frustrating, but what are you going to do? I was supposed to fly out there April first and get started, and I have not been out there yet. And I'm not getting on a plane either. Yeah, I had to I had to fly from Columbus, Ohio, to Dallas, Fort Worth, yeah. and nobody was wearing masks. Oh. It was like you walking around Dallas, Fort Worth was I had somebody say something to me about wearing a mask because they found oh, it wow. abhorrent <laughs> that I would wear a mask. Wait, were uh, you wearing you were wearing one? Yes, yeah, totally and like somebody actually made fun of you for wearing it? Yeah, yeah. Somebody was thought that, you know, and I was like, dude, I, I work in healthcare. I'm not going to yeah. you know risk anyone's I don't know well-being. how I don't know how it got I mean, I know how it got politicized. I saw him do it. But I don't yeah. know how all these people misunderstand the idea that the mask isn't to protect you. And if you're manly enough, you can handle it without a mask. <laughs> That's not how it works. You're, you're, you're supposed to not give it to me, and I'm not going to give it to you. Exactly. I thought that was pretty clear. How, how did that? I can't understand it. I can't understand it. Seems, seems like a... a- difficult thing to to mess up and not understand you know like i i I live in the middle of virginia i would say there's a solid week where people were wearing masks and then and then it was just sort of like every everybody on their own like and that was actually about when when they mandated it like they mandated masks and then everybody was like okay like we're we're just gonna make it a personal chunk but you know yeah yeah my state is similarly dropping the ball, but I, I think because my sister lives in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I wonder why you're flying from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we I had to go up. She lives over Arrowhead Lake, I think is. She lives off of a lake about 45 minutes outside of Columbus, but she, she works in Columbus proper. But yeah, it's really nice up there. But you guys were a hotbed for a while and it got pretty scary. And now it seems like the southern states, you know, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, thanks to our incredible leadership, are now taking the baton. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's scary, man. I don't like it. Yeah, well, Columbus was actually pretty good at first. Our governor moved really quick to uh, shut the schools down, shut down OSU, start social distancing. It was really good. He was fast. And he did it right after I left because I was up here in March and went down to Key West. And then, as I said, Key West, sorry, I talked to so many people. I I told you about how they they cut off the road in Key West. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we were so we were safe down there and everybody wore masks. Nobody even questioned it. In fact, if they had people stationed like at stores at the entrance, if you, you couldn't come in, if you didn't have them, they'd give well, you one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think staying safe is is, you know, like the most important thing. And people just kind of need to realize, like, it's it's a number one priority, you know. It and, looks like they are, though. Is that right in yeah. your area? Like around here, there's people starting to wear a mask all of a sudden. Well, as they yeah. actually said, do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's it's just the priority now. And, you know, it's like we, I think people are just need to accept that we're going to have to put off all the things that we enjoy for a bit and like hunker down and be with our families and write it out. And if that means waiting another couple of extra years for bone cartoon you know it's like, right. i think yeah <laughs> it's unfortunate I'll but you know it's, <laughs> it's yeah um, and but uh, yeah how, how are how do you deal with working so closely with with your partner on you know your your business is it's both your business now and it seems like a an interesting world to navigate where you you work so closely together yeah, we yeah we we spend a lot of time together. Now we, our offices are in different buildings. Like I I work over our garage, and Vijay we we have a little office building where we have two two full time employees, and so they work with her over there, and we interact all the time. I go over there, and we have meetings all the time, but but yeah, but yeah, we're together quite a bit. We this year was our. Th- 31st wedding anniversary and still like each other. So it's worked out. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome. Any, any advice for uh, <laughs> happy, happy marriage relationships? Sure you get asked that all the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, just, she's always right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she is, I mean, I'm not, she is, you just have to realize, yeah, yeah, you actually are right. <laughs> I should not, I should not live on hot dogs. It's it's a it's a need. It's a it's a it's a want, not a need sort of thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's been really wonderful having you on and chatting with you. And uh, I've been I've been being a just like starstruck fanboy the whole time because I just <laughs> grew up yeah. reading uh, all your comics. Like you just had a really big influence on on what I do and kind of like how I look at other comics and look at storytelling. So thank you. Cool. Yeah, thank, thank you, you man. We, hey, no we, problem. Thanks for asking, man. This was actually a lot of fun. I I like to do these things where there's a lot of laughing going on. That's good. <laughs> oh, hey, man, anytime you want to come back. And 
we we certainly enjoyed it. Bone Adventures just came out not long ago. Oh yeah, and- yeah. Oh man, yeah. I, and I actually only saw it recently because I was in QS, and I said, "Oh well, I've seen it. I know what it looks like." I just got back <laughs> last week, and I saw the finished hardcover book, and it is gorgeous. I mean, it's the you take off the dust jacket, and it's it's the it's a spread that wraps around the front and the back cover of Smiley flying with these birds and oh they did a beautiful job. And it was a very fun book. And here's here's a Walt Kelly deep dive, deep cut. It's my no and can't. And if you know what that what I'm talking about, then you then you're a real Walt Kelly nut. <laughs> I I I've only read like the 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 periodic little comics every now and then like in the like little bunny comics. I kind of like look at those because I was interested yeah. in cartoons. And he's just such so, an interesting guy. But <laughs> thank you again for for coming on. And if if there's ever any other chance you want to come on, by all means, give us a call. We've certainly enjoyed having you. You guys, Jeff Smith, creator of Bone, creator of Razzle, all around rad dude. Yeah. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for his. Bone Adventure series uh, or book and the upcoming Netflix when that trailer comes out. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be screaming from the rooftops about that show. So, Jeff Smith, thank you again, man. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Casey. See you later, man. Y'all have a good one. And stay safe, please. Please, please, please. Back. Oh. <laughs> are you not ready to come back i wasn't but we are back <laughs> we are back what do you think uh, well it's bone isn't it how it do you not bone. like to learn about where bone came from and how everything happens dude bone is such a good book bone was one of the first books my son cody was yeah. reading as a kid yeah he had, he had like seven volumes of it, it was, he loved it and he passed it down to jacob and jacob's right of him it's oh, good stuff. Cool. If you haven't read a bone out there, you definitely should check it out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how'd you like having Aaron on? I thought Aaron, I thought Aaron was great. They, I thought he did a fantastic job. He was, you know, a big fan of Jeff's and of Bone, and yeah. asked some really good questions and gave Casey the backup he needed for this one. Yeah, it was good. It was really good, actually. Uh, Aaron's interesting yeah, cat, so, though, right? He is. He is. Yeah, he's uh, uh, from the Comic Jam, which is what Casey runs. Um, if you don't know that is like. They have these themes and they do single page comics and uh, Aaron's one of the original people from behind behind that. And um, I've done a couple things to comic jams. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't it do them anymore because it takes time and I don't have a lot of extra time. <laughs> but yeah, Casey keeps one. trying to tell me, you should do one. You should do one. Right. But I'm not good at doing themes like that. Like if you have like a yeah. – like when we did Ein's Anthology, you said, hey, just you know, go through. If you want to do an era, do an era. It just needs to be supernatural. That's not quite the same theme. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, okay, right. that's in my wheelhouse. I can do that. Boom. You right. know, because I could do anything I wanted. Yeah. They're more I like, think I've done, this is a theme, a theme for the week. You has, you know, I don't know. It's It, it seemed a little bit, I, I don't want to say it's stringent because it's not. I, I think it's great for right. people to do. It's a, it's lot, a lot of fun. fun. It's fun to go check out. I keep wanting to do it. I just, nothing has um, like give me the inspiration yet. Personally, I've done two. I've done two so far. I, I did art for one that Casey Casey wrote. Yeah, and we did the backwards. Where I drew the art first, and then Casey wrote the words on top of it. And it was basically an ad for whatever. Yeah, uh, and Casey wrote it, and then I did another one where it was like a, it was Godzilla versus King Kong rap battle. Yeah, 
And it was so, it was so dumb. It was just, I'm going back and forth. There's no real words, but that's really all I ever done for them. But it's a lot of fun. Check out the comic jams. It's pretty cool. But we were here for bone with Jeff Smith. If you love that, go check out all that Jeff Smith has to offer with his series bone, which is really, really good. And if you haven't gotten into it, you really should check it out. It's great for your kids. It's great for you. It's just a fun book to read. And if you love that interview, which I think you did because mm-hmm. you're still here listening to us pontificate <laughs> Ram- about our, our podcast. So if you <laughs> love that interview, I implore you to go check out spoilerverse.com. There is a ton of great back issues. So many uh, for our podcast and for so many other podcasts that are on our network. And as I said yesterday, we're working on a revamp, a revamp of the site. Yep. It's going to be pretty awesome when it's done. Give it about a week or two and it should be up. Uh, you can also check out articles and reviews and previews from all of our writers on the, on the website. You can check out our store and get a t-shirt or a hoodie or a face mask or a sticker yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Look fly as hell, as I like to say all the time. And to, you know, help give us a dollar or two to help keep the uh, the lights on here. Scared to ask that girl out at the end of the bar? Put on a spoiler yeah. country tea or a spoilerverse tea. She'll be coming to you. Yeah, guaranteed never get rejected. As <laughs> long as you're not a creep. <laughs> it's like the Axe body spray commercials, man. It's yeah. going to happen. Oh, God. Don't <laughs> compare us to Axe. That stuff is terrible. <laughs> Dude, we were, when Axe Body Spray came out, my brother-in-law, Mike, and I were walking through Walmart, and these girls were at, a, at the Axe Body Spray. This is like 90, maybe maybe 2001, I think. Yeah. And Axe is like the big thing coming out. Right. And these girls were like in their like short crop top shirts and short shorts and like, sh- you know, talking about Axe. And they walked by and they started spraying us with it. We're like, what, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't just spray us. This stuff is really strong. What if we have out? You know, like, What's up, Pepe Le Pew? Like, oh, we're so sorry. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Come on, chill out. <laughs> One thing that we have coming on, though, Johnny... Yeah, we're just going to give a little teaser. Some big Ooh. things are going to be happening soon. Um, they not, are. Not just, not with Spoiler Country even. Not with any podcast that's currently, that's a big hint, currently at thespoilerverse.com. But keep an eye out. Sounds we got some saucy. big things coming out. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. I know what it is. And uh, I am super <laughs> excited to get more informed. Dude, more we got that. the message. The other day, I was at, I was, I was, um, you guys will start hearing less of me for the month of August for a little bit. And then just because I got stuff going on. So, um, all good stuff, nothing bad. Uh, but when we got that message, man, I was right on Facebook. Dude. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. It should be coming. You should should be hearing about it pretty soon. So we should have an F. We should be able to actually announce something here pretty soon. Yeah. Actually, we're going to have Dude announce it for us. Oh, we sh- yes, we are. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. There we go. All right. There's only one left thing to do, and that's... And what's that? An Ocean's a podcast. We are Cthulhu, as Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind and read more. similar sort of thing you know this like like obviously based on shazam but you know um i don't know like if if you've been reading that but i haven't i don't know that black hammer who's doing it 
so this is Jeff Lamar, 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 Lamar,